me, they, uh, then I begged to our families, but we've been co-workers for four years at our previous church. Then I begged him to church plant with me, and uh, he's also served a tour in Iraq as a Marine, and he's an Army chaplain right now. So he does a lot of things. Oh. Thanks, Paul. No? I'll help this you. This always happens, man. I know. Oh, it's the wrong one. Is it? Oh, I now I won't go back in. Sorry. I help, I'll help you. Maybe. Good morning. Hello. Um, thank you, Wilson, for introducing me. It's always weird, like, you know, um, as I was preparing this message, I realized the last time that I, that I sh uh, preached or sh shared a message was October of last year, and that's like s seven months ago. It's been, it's been a long time, but, you know, when I'm preparing it, it's always like, it's like, what do I, uh, how do I introduce myself? It's like, hi, I'm Paul, you know, but it, it's, I guess, thank you, because that, you know, that, saves me <laughs> from having to do anything awkward because I'm the king of awkward. Um, <laughs> um, welcome, especially if this is your first time here or you're, you know, you've been coming just uh, out a couple times. We are in the, um, we're in the book of Romans and I always like to recap um, where we're at, especially how all of scripture is connected. And if you were here last week, you had the pleasure of seeing how, how, the gospel could be, how the gospel should be lived out, especially for us who believe as Christians. And part of that was this idea of how does love in action look like? And as Wilson shared, and that's awesome, and I talked to Nina about it, if, if you're there, um, Wilson shared a very specific way in which how you do not repay evil with evil. Um, instead, especially as Christians, how we repay evil with good, how we're not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. And, um, and you know, through Wilson's sad, sad childhood of being bullied, how God, when we leave it to God, how God, not all the time, but in, in Wilson's case, um, we're blessed when God, we leave it in God's hand and how God then can um, work good because we haven't taken we haven't taken it into our own hands we have not paid evil with evil because you know evil with evil just begets more evil um and i, I think that's awesome and in many ways in today's sermon you guys just stuck with a very boring subject of government but how we'll see the gospel in our lives how that would look like how um as christians we um are supposed to view the government let me um Yes, A Christian's Guide to Government. That's my title. Um, so as a tradition here at Renew, we always want everyone to kind of start jogging their memory and engage. This is the question. What is the main thing that comes to mind when you think about the government? And I changed this. This is a kind of a boring question because I was first going to ask, who did you vote for in last year's election and why? But you know, wisdom prevailed, and I thought about that. I was like, man, that's going to... Because anytime we hear about our current president, there's always a protest, you know, like for and against. I was like, man, that, I'm going to tear apart this church just by one question. And it's hard not to judge, even though I say, don't judge each other, but please share. So instead, I picked a very boring question. What is the main thing that comes to mind when you think about government, and in true fashion of a government class, we have multiple choice? A, actively support it. B, actively oppose it, C, passively ignore it, or D, with each other. <laughs> That's what you feel most, 
you know, comes to mind and, and share. Well, you can start now, and I'll bring this all back together again. Okay, guys. Thank you. I, I, have, a, I have a suspicion that uh, our questions, um, maybe you may answer it like real quickly, and then, and then you guys just kind of fellowship and get to know each other, which I think is the main purpose why we ask the question. But um, uh, Also, um, I'm a little sick, so if I lay this really big like sniffle in the mic, I'm sorry. It's just... You know, it happens, but I'll forget. Um, you know, I remember, well, f sorry, before I begin as well, because I want to tie this in, I just want to congratulate everyone who graduated this uh, past weekend. <laughs> you know, a lot of hard work, many years, a lot of money uh, goes into that um, education, and, and, you know, that education is not just for the diploma, which is a piece of paper, but literally it's like what they or these people as they start out on their journey, how they're gonna live their life, what they're gonna do to contribute to society. Um, yeah, and so I think it's, it's um, a lot of work, good work and congratulations to that. Uh, going back to our topic, which like I said, I'll tie that in. I remember when, um, when uh, the elections, going back to that, um, I stood up I stayed up late following the elections, and you know I don't have TV, so I'm on my, my phone and I'm refreshing it and just seeing how it goes. And I remember after the results came in, I was just like shocked. And not, not so much like, because I, um, I was afraid or, or I was uh, uncertain. I was just shocked, just like, I was like, wow. I was like, maybe I could become president. <laughs> You know, no, but the thing is, is like, and you know, for me, especially our topic being uh, centered around government and, and what it is, but you know, I, I always believed in government, and I was like, you know, that's like for everyone, is like, oh, that would be a great aspiration to like become the president of the United States, but uh, you know, unfortunately, I was born in Canada, so that's not, that's not the U.S., I could never become, but I was like, maybe, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, you know, he wants to become president, and he, he's like, he's going to try to, I don't know make legislation happen where you don't have to be born here. But um, I remember when Trump was elected, a lot of people, especially all these articles, um, started coming out. And I, I remember one specifically about an article about Obama's White House staff, um, the staff before Trump came in, and there was so much fear, especially I would want to say with those that are in our generation, the millennial generation, uh, people that we could relate to, a lot of fear and anxiety and uncertainty in his staff. And uh, I remember the, the, the journalist who was writing about it, Obama sat them down and said, it'll be okay. You know, the government will go on, will continue. But there was so much fear, like Trump's going to blow it up and, and, you know, I don't know, whatever. You know, fears are like really overblown. But there was so much fear and anxiety with that. And I, I feel like our, today's message, it kind of speaks into that because we'll find like, especially for us who believe and for those who, who are trying to live out the gospel, how does, how does that look like? How we as Christians, how do we view the government, our role in, our, our place in the government, having some type of uh, authority over us? And that's what um, I want us to look at. Sorry, too fast. So our particular passage today comes from us from Romans chapter 13. Um, and a little background in this place is that Apostle Paul, he's actually um, um, writing to the Romans. And, and a lot of things that we'll see in today's passage, it's very specific and very particular. 
Um, and there's a lot of implications that could come out of it, but the passage itself doesn't speak specifically on that. And I, I want to present to you this idea for us as Christians, what does it mean for us to live in this world? Because a lot of things that I'll, I'll try to correlate the idea of the government is also other things in our lives, like marriage as well. But going back to our, our decision, my personal decision to believe in Jesus, when, when we believe the gospel, when we accept Jesus into our heart, and we believe everything that Jesus teaches and what's spoken about him, we don't instantly go to heaven, which when I was a child, and even now sometimes, I wish that would happen. Like, like all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you do the sinner's prayer and you believe with all your heart and then psh, you're just like gone. You know, that would be great because that would be the fruition or the end result of what it means to believe in Jesus. But, you know, that doesn't happen. And so many times, like, these world events, elections and whatnot, they occur, but there's an underlying premise is that God is in control. And, like, for many of us, it's, we have to make choices in life. God gives us grace in that some of them, like Mitchell was sharing, he, he impresses and he moves and he speaks directly sometimes to tell you what type of choice you should make. But a lot of times we make these choices, but unlike unbelievers or people who aren't Christian, we, you know, in this world, we all make choices. We make the choice to uh, accept Jesus and follow him. Uh, uh, Non-believers, they make choices, what they're gonna eat for breakfast, what they're gonna become, you know, when they get older, what they want to do with their lives, we all make choices. But the difference between non-Christians and Christians is that non-Christians, all they have are their choices in life. But for us as believers, we make that choice. We're not just left with our choices. The end result, the goal, rests with Christ, not on our choices. That doesn't negate our choices. That just means that we have a fallback, which is a God who loves us, and he sent his son to die for our sins. That is the overarching idea of what Romans uh, presented to us, the gospel, our state, and the hope that comes through Christ. And now we are in these very practical applications of what it means to live out our faith. Um, so we'll, we'll start here. We'll see, you know, and I titled it just for an idea, God's role for governance. Um, and starting with Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no, no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is a rebellion against what God has instituted, and those who do so, so will bring judgment on themselves. I want to clarify here that this idea of let everyone be subject, the word subject, another way a synonym is uh, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Now, this idea of submission it's hard because it's the same idea that the Apostle Paul teaches in the book of Ephesians of, of marriage itself, of like wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. But I want to point out in that passage, the verse before it that a lot of people don't see is that Apostle Paul actually says, let us submit to one another. And so this idea of sub subjecting ourselves or submitting is recognizing our place. A lot of uh, creative design scientists, when they study the universe, when they study even the, the, from the largest celestial bodies to the smallest microbes uh, that make us up, or even what physicality is made up of, they, they, it's hard for them in their worldview to say, like, there, there, there has to be uh, some type of designer, because it's so orderly. It's not chaotic. 
And in many ways, in the humanitarian or the social sciences, God also has instituted certain designs and roles. And we see one is, sorry, one is marriage, how that should function, how society is actually built on marriages. When a man or a woman, when they fall in love with each other and they have children and that propagates and that's how people are made and then through those people societies are built like it's it's built in our social sciences it's it's an inherent law so to sort of say in many ways what do you get with a bunch of people that are just living together we see that god is a god of order now god is in control but he is not a god of control he is a god of order but not a god of like controlling in many ways too his role for governments was that they govern his people. And the idea was to provide order, stability, safety, security. So we see here, though, um, oh, and sorry, I, I want to point out, too, in, in Genesis 1, when we, we read that and we see how God created the heavens and the earth, a lot of Jewish uh, scholars, literary scholars, they, they see that, and there's this idea that God is bringing order to our world. He is speaking order into our world. The black mass of nothingness, the chaoticness of just nothing, God is ordering it together. Let there be light. And then separating light from night. Let there be land. And so there's this idea that he is a God of order and he has shown himself that way. And, and, and um, the Apostle Paul talks a very specific truth is whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I want to point this out as well, that there's this idea of what the word rebel means, and we think about, even for our country, the, uh, the United States of America is like the revolution, and we're the rebels and stuff like that. I think the idea is going back to what God's role is for government is to provide order because society, even civil society, is based off of order. You can't have chaos. And the, 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 the opposite idea is actually anarchy, meaning there is no order, there's no government, and all is chaos. Everyone is just left to their own, essentially. Um, this idea of rebelling against the authority is not so much rebelling against the government, but rebelling against the idea of providing order, safety, security, and just wanting anarchy or lawlessness. We see in Revelation that, that when God describes the Antichrist who is to come, he is a man of lawlessness. Um, there's this idea that there is no law. You will live, or everyone lives, as the way they see fit. And you could imagine a world like that, like Walking Dead. Like, the, zo the zombies are not the issue, it's the other people. Like, you know, it's like the zombies are the afterthought because you don't know what your fellow man or woman will do to you. That is lawlessness, and it's, it's very scary. So this idea is those who rebel against the idea of order and want chaos, want anarchy, um, that is, I feel, more, more in line with what the Apostle Paul is talking about, but specifically in the context of government. Um, going on from there, we'll see that what the government's role is for us, uh, what the government's role is towards its people, and we'll see here, uh, starting with verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, 
but also as a matter of conscience. We see here kind of, I, I want to say as I read and I was studying it, the ideal, the design of which God is. And literally, government is for the people. Even in the preamble of the United States, is we the people, or I'm sorry, uh, Abraham Lincoln's uh, Gettysburg Address, he says, you know, he says, for the people, by the people. This is idea where the government is for the people. And we see here, and I, I kind of bolded it, I'm not sure if you can see it, but the government is God's servant for your good. And later on, the, uh, they are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So there's two key ideas of what the government's role is for us, and that's Governments are to punish evil. They're not to propagate it. Like, because in our world, like, people will do wrong. And it's hard because we see, like everything else in this world, even nature itself, governments have been corrupted. They're influenced by sin. And so I know, especially if you're a news junkie like me, all the news that you're going to read, mainly, like, 99.9% .9 is going to be negative about what the government's doing wrong, how it's corrupt, how this civil servant embezzled millions of dollars. That's what we're going to read. Because you're not going to read, oh, this government just proficiently, like, made the life so much better for this community. Those articles are very few. And so there's this idea that the government's corrupt, and it is. You know, it, it, it is. It, it can be because there's sin. Just like nature itself, there shouldn't be natural disasters, but there are. There's hurricanes, earthquakes, and they bring destruction and death. It, it wasn't intended that way. That's not the way God designed it. But he did design something, and he did design the world, and it was good, and he designed certain things for us to govern ourselves through governments. But we see the role here that governments are to punish evil. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. So we see that that's what they should provide for their people, to, to commend what is good, and to punish what is wrong. And a lot, a lot of, we see that through laws. Um, another thing that we see are, is that they are for our good. Governments are supposed to be for the good of its people. Now, the big elephant in the room, especially, and what comes to mind as I was reading it is like, but wait, you know, like what about those governments that don't do that? I mean, the, the classic example is Nazi Germany. Like, wow, you know, when you talk about not propagating good, but propagating evil to the world. So this is where I want to say that the passage does not specifically speak to that, but we could draw implications from it. Because just as I was talking about choices, we as believers, we will be led to make certain choices in our life, just such as the example of Nazi Germany. There was a theologian called Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor, a great theologian, and he, he wrestled because one of the things about his theology is that he was a pacifist. He did not believe in, in violence. Um, but, you know, he actually ended up joining the German resistance, and he was part of, he was part of a, a plot to assassinate Hitler. And to him, in, when he was working through it, and it's in his, in his um, treaties and, and diaries and stuff, is that he felt that he would, do, he would choose the lesser evil, which was you know, to, to participate and try to kill Hitler. Um, it's, it's crazy, but I'm not one, and I'm not saying here like war is good, or, or you know, there's a place for war and there's not a place for war. The, the passage doesn't speak for it, or even this idea of violence. But we make choices. We make choices based off of what we 
as we follow God, as we are following God and we feel God is leading us, we make choices. And that may be to, to actively oppose the government or to actively support the government. And we see even throughout the Bible examples of that. Jesus himself at his time would be one who, who people would uh, highlight as a model of civil disobedience. He was to his governing authorities at that time and they, they crucified him. And so the Apostle Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about the original intent, what, what the government should be, what God desired of it, what God desires of everything when he created the world. But yes, there's a reality that we, even for those who believe, we are left here in this earth, and what do we do with that? How do we live that out? And I think one is to recognize from what we saw earlier is that yes, God has given us governments for our good. They're supposed to serve a specific purpose. Uh, I'm sorry, I pressed this. Um, yeah, they're supposed to serve a specific purpose for us. Um, but then as we find out here that we also, um, ha it has very practical implications, and I'm sorry to say, but we'll see in our role for governments. Uh, verse 6, this is, all, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, reven then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. The, uh, the last ver verse 7, it kind of uh, reminds you of what Jesus said when they were trying to trap him, say, hey, you know, do we pay taxes to, to Caesar? Because at that time, if, if Jesus said, yes, um, you pay taxes, then, you know, the people, it was very unpopular to the Jews at that time to pay taxes to Caesar because they were being uh, oppressed by the Roman government. But Jesus, man, in only Jesus' way, he gives this answer. is like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And so this is the same principle that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Give to everyone what is owed to them. This idea of taxes, I, I remember it is the weirdest of places, but I went to a funeral, and the pastor who was officiating said, there are two, <laughs> there are two uh, like, laws in life, death and taxes. You know, and, and you know, by dying, you no longer have to actually pay taxes. It, it was, yeah, I remember hearing that, but man, taxes kind of suck, right? But especially coming out of, out of April, how many of you guys who just entered the workforce and you feel like you barely made anything had to actually pay, pay money to the government? But <laughs> we see here why, why that's the case, is that everything costs money. And so if you have people with their job, what they feel called to do is to provide governance, regardless of the quality of that. It's just the design of someone who's supposed to govern, in a way. Um, you know, taxes help fund that. Taxes, our taxes, um, paying taxes supports the role of the government, the, the ideal role of the government, you know. And yes, I know uh, people embezzle money, and so uh, for the most part, though, the idea of what taxes are is to support the government. Um, you know, uh, God, uh, the, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. And I, I, some examples that I, I want to harken back to that too is the idea of here in the church when we, when we give, our, give our tithes and offering. Now, unlike taxes where, you know, you could be put in jail for tax evasion because that's the law of our country, the church does not have that law. The only law that we live in, I think, uh, Wilson, if you're preaching next week, will go into is the law of love. And so this idea of our tithe and offering, supporting our missionaries, supporting these great ministries for um, foster children is, is through our love we support the church, the ministries here at the church, which, uh, um, you know, means the salary of, of the pastors and, and our programs that we put on here. It's, it's a very sim uh, similar 
um, idea, except, you know, as Christians, we're, we're kind of governed by, by the, the law of, 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 of our conscience of, of love more so than the law of the land. Um, but we see prior when Apostle Paul talks about it is right for us to do good, not only because that avoids punishment, but because of our conscience sake as well. Yeah, so taxes, man. But then it, it, to know that as you enter the workforce, and for those who've been working in it, is that you are, you are part of the design that God wants. I, I do want to talk about, go back to even for the, um, the idea of people who are graduating and who are going to enter the workforce. If all of our choices, were, we were just left to our choices, then quickly it, it becomes a... Um, a zero-sum game where there are winners and losers because some people are going to make awesome choices. Like I think about like investment bankers who, who I think it's bitcoins or something now, like cash in and they make millions because they made the right choice. And then the opposite end of people who just, uh, whether it's through foolishness or just the, the, the stack, the deck of cards that they were dealt in life were dealt against them and they, they try to make the best choices but it just... They, they, can't, they can't get of where they're at. If that was all that we had, then yes, it is a zero-sum game. And, and some of us would be winners and some of us would be losers. But, you know, it was actually in the, the book of Romans that we find because of the gospel, because of the hope of Christ, it's no longer a zero-sum game. We're still called to make our choices. We're still called to, you know, go and get our education and pay our taxes and serve our country. But that's not all that there is. For us as Christians, we do have a dual citizenship. One is our, our, you know, one is our physical world and the other is our spiritual world. And for us, that's what defines us as Christians is that we, we understand, we acknowledge, we submit ourselves to God's rule over our lives ultimately because there will be a time there will be a time when perhaps our government or any government will give a law or pass a law that runs c contrary to the law of God. And it's oppressive to its people. And that's why even with some of the protests that are going on against, you know, maybe overzealous police brutality, like, yes, people should protest. Some people are led to that, to protest against the injustices that even governments can propagate. Because there's sin. That's a recognition of it. But then there's something for us to understand is that I, I like to say you cannot legislate sin. You can make laws against it to, to help fight against or combat what we're naturally prone to do, which is to take advantage or to, to oppress or to um, cheat the system. But you cannot legislate it away because sin will always be there. And I think for us as we live in this world to recognize that many times it's as we walk with God, as, as his spirit lives in us, we'll be led to make choices that may be good and bad, but those are not the end result. The end result is left in God's hands. Because of the circumstances, we are all part of, you know, the United States of America. We all will work jobs where we'll have a boss. Even if you own your own business, your boss is your customers. Because if you don't please them, then you won't make money. There, there's, there's no one who's outside of any governing authority. But even that, that's, there's, our lives are more than that as Christians. That, that is, yes, we do that. We live that because we live in this world. And we do that well because we're Christians. But that's not the end game. That's not the end result. We have a God 
who has more for us, that we know that when Christ comes, that he will overthrow, he will turn over these fallen and broken systems and will bring justice and will bring uh, mercy and grace as well. I, um, I, when I served in the military, I hate, it's the one phrase that you hate. You hate to hear when someone says, you know, don't, don't respect me, respect the rank. That's, you know, and I say that kind of mockingly because how many times that's thrown out, especially when your leader, your sergeant, your commander is just a big uh, uh, jerk. Sorry, I'm just, yeah, I was going to say something else. He's, you know, it's just not a good leader, right? But then they, you know, and they say, you know, you don't have to respect me, but you have to respect the rank. And it's true because the military, the military is designed with a chain of command based off of a person's rank. And that's the way it's structured because that's the way it can best function. Not everyone's a leader. Some people are followers. You know, but you have to have leaders. You have to have people who lead. And you'll have bad leaders, just like we'll have bad governments or bad presidents or bad senators, whatever. You know, but the thing is, it's like the rank itself is its own entity that's, that's conferred or given to the person. And so it's true, even though that they may be personally not really good, the rank itself is what, you know, we would respect and we would, you know, follow orders and give, give honor or respect to. And this is, I believe, what Apostle Paul is talking about. Now, there is one thing about that is, for example, what happened in, in Vietnam where some of the officers, they just gave unlawful orders, uh, like to wipe out a village, you know, regardless of whether there was combatants or enemies, just wipe it out. That was easier for them to deal with. And soldiers complied. And then, you know, they... They got tried, but the soldiers say, we were just following orders that were given to us. But even in the military, the way it's structured with rank and following orders and obeying, in it, every soldier or every Marine or every airman, whatever, sailor, they have this thing that they cannot go against their conscience. If it's an unlawful order, they must disobey it. Because if you don't, you'll be tried. And so you can't say, oh, I'm just following orders. And in many ways, even for our government, like, we can't just say, oh, you know, we're just being a, a, you know, Apostle Paul says submit to the government and just let them do whatever they want to do. That's not the case. We're different than that. In many ways, we still are governed, as I say, as Christians by the law of love, the law of Christ, which ultimately brings hope, peace, and justice. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, for your word, that it could speak to us such grand universal truths of your gospel, of your love, and that we belong for those who believe, that we live with you, that you live with us, that you make your home in us, even in us a, sinf a sinful vessel, and you being a holy God who ha can do nothing with sin, that yet through the grace of Christ, you're able to make your home in us, able to give your presence through your spirit with us. But yet we're called to live here in this world, this sinful world, and we're called to be the light and the salt, that our choices matter. Because we love you, because we follow you, because we desire to walk with you, we make choices to do good, to bring good, to overcome evil with good. But we know, Lord, ultimately, it's not just in our hands. It's not just our choices. We know ultimately you're in charge. We know ultimately, even through world events, even when it looks like evil is overcoming, true hope is when we feel that we're at our last leg, at rock bottom, 
unable to go on in life, overcome by the darkness of sin in this world, your hope becomes hope in those darkest moments. And that's what defines us as Christians. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for sharing the word of God and for serving our country, too. I really admire um, my friendship with Paul and seeing the sacrifice that him and his family has made for um, for our country has been an amazing thing to witness. As we um, move forward in our service and go into worship, I do want to invite us to take a moment to have uh, communion together. Uh, we remember that Jesus is coming again, that he's setting up a perfect government for us. And he does that by dying the cross for our sin. And as we follow Jesus in the gospel, we not only await the government he's setting up, but we also participate in his kingdom expanding as we do what Paul says, you know, submitting to the government as we first submit to Christ and the law of God. And so as we move into worship, I invite you all to stand and take communion with us this morning.